I think John, John Huntsberger is the one who kind of hands out the bags, right? He kind of finds a team every week. And uh, we are going to be mixing things up uh, as, as we kind of grow and as we, and the desire is that uh, I want to have everyone involved in different ways. And last we had communion and John said, how about some young people holding the bread? It was wonderful. And so uh, same thing with teachers and same thing with nursery and same thing with youth people and ushers and prayer teams. We, we want to have circles that, that people are welcomed into and that you can be part of what God's doing, just like on Wednesday night. And we kind of all huddled over here on Wednesday night. It was just a little bit different. And we, we need to be close to what God was doing. We wanted to be able to see the things that God were doing, things that we were still praying for. So, Lord, we want to be faithful with our giving. There's faithful people in this room. Thank you, Lord, for people that are obedient and faithful to giving. And, Lord, as we're faithful, then you're able to take that seed of faith and you're able to multiply it. I know that uh, we add up the offerings and we deposit in the bank, but Lord, once they get to the bank, you have a way of converting offerings into souls. You have a way of converting uh, obedience and giving to discipleship. Lord, you have a way to, to bless missionaries in South Africa. We pray for Mackenzie Stevens this very moment. And Lord, we thank you for four more Door of Faith kids that this week came to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we saw one Door of Faith student two weeks ago receive Jesus. And Lord, Lynette was so excited that four more came to Jesus. Lord, thank you for those that, that plant. Thank you for those that water. Lord, but the harvest is up to you. So Lord, we, in a sense, plant our offering in faith in obedience so this world would know you, that we could take this world, those at work, those in our home, our neighbors, our church, to heaven with us, Lord. That's our prayer. Bless, bless the offering and bless the giver, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I got a number of... Uh, once you're kind of down in Mexico, you're connected for a while, and then life gets busy for everyone. They had a lot of inspections from the uh, Mexico authorities coming and expect safety and fire extinguishers, all that, which is just pray for us. Then the next text I got was, Pastor Guy, you won't believe it. Four more kids, teenagers from Door Faith, except the Lord. And, and of course, I, I rejoice with them, but I had to slip in a little question. So tell me the story. I want to know how for, what, how did that happen? And, and of course, she was being kind. She says, you loved them. Your group loved them. You, you taught them dances. You did drama for them. Uh, you fed them. And we saw the one girl came to come to Jesus. And uh, she said this week it was a small group, but this group had been there two or three times. And one of the girls had kind of a head injury. She fell, and we had to, we had to rush her, like almost to the States. And, and it, it was really neat. Said the, the group began to pray for her, and then some of the orphanage kids began to pray for this girl. And, and, and it was like, and she kind of like threw her little message machine on Facebook. A couple of the kids were laughing because they were praying from their orphanage, and some were praying. 
And a couple of girls that weren't praying were beginning to cry. And after the prayer, she said, two of them said, we want to accept Jesus. And then shortly after that, uh, one of the, one of the couple, the, uh, it was a boy and a girl, said, we want to accept Jesus too. And so she was rejoicing that five of the orphanage kids, there's 106 of them there. So five of them the last week came to salvation. And it was like, praise the Lord. Isn't that, that's kind of why we do what we do as a church. And, and just like the, a good word and a good testimony. So to, today, we are going to, as a church, look at a, a verse. And we're going to put that verse up on Revelations 12, verse 11. There's going to be three preachers today. Chad is going to take, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. What a great way to kind of remember what Easter and Resurrection Sunday is all about. And now we're a week away. And, and then, and by the word of their testimony, I'm going to take by the word of their testimony, and then Corey is going to take, but they did not love their life so much to shrink from death. So Lord, as your word is shared by three of your servants, Lord, that we would receive your word. And we want to rejoice, Lord, that we, are, uh, we have victory in you. So Lord, be with Chad as he kind of opens this up right now. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Um, the last few Sundays, we've, we've had um, a little bit of a testimony as to what uh, happened this week in our, in our prayer groups and, and reading the book. So um, I'm just going to do that really quick because um, last night, I don't know if you guys read uh, 39 yet, um, but I've been meeting with uh, uh, two students, and I've had a few other students that have met with me as well. And, uh, but Dylan and, and Sean met with me last night, and uh, we went to the Starbucks over by Food for Less, and we just opened up our book and, and started reading. And I know, at least for me, one of the favorite parts is getting to the circle at the end of the chapter and just reading that quote. I know Dylan, Dylan always kind of goes straight for that quote as well, because he knows that Pastor Guy is going to ask him, what's your quote, Dylan? And... Uh, but the thing that was, that was kind of funny is, you know, this, the whole time we're reading um, the chapter, we know that that circle is coming. But right before that circle happened last night, it said something. It was a command, and the command was, take off your sandals right now. And everyone kind of just glanced over that, but I saw it. And, I, and so, like, they were, they were going over the quote, they were talking about the quote, and, and I was like, hey, guys, we got to go back. And they were like, well, what do you mean? He said... He asked us to take off our sandals right now. And so they kind of looked at me, and they're like, we have to take off our shoes? We're in Starbucks. You want us to take off our shoes? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to take off our shoes, and we're going to pray. And so we did that. And it was, I mean, it was kind of funny. No one was really paying attention to us. But it was just the, you know, I was... I always wear sandals, so it's really easy for me to just kick them off. Normally, like if I'm sitting with someone, someone takes my sandal off and throws it somewhere. Um, but it was so cool because we, we got to pray in that moment on holy ground, right? I mean, we as God's people, when we go places, we are conquering 
ground for God. And so even in that moment in Starbucks when I was drinking my caramel macchiato and you know we were sitting in nice comfy chairs, we were on holy ground. And God was there with us and um, it, it, was, it was just awesome. And I, and I, I know that's just a simple little uh, story. Um, but yeah, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this series. Um, if, if you haven't had a chance um, to read, it's okay. We might be on day 40, but you can be on day one, and you can go through it, and God can still be just as, as big and just as, as much God in your life as, as he's been with us the last 40 days. So today, like I said, we're, we're, we're reading um, from Revelations, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually start from verse 10. And uh, it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. That's pretty crazy right? So John, John's having this vision, right? And the thing that, that is really, really cool about this is it says, they overcame. Okay, this is future tense, right? So that means that we overcame, right? So we stand in victory knowing that we will overcome. And see, the thing is, is that we as Christians, we're at war, right? We're at war right now in our hearts. We're at war in our spirits. We're at war in our families. We're at war with education, and we're at war with, with everything that tries to take away our relationship with God, right? And the thing is, is that this war has been being waged for over 8,000 years, we see in the very beginning, I'm skipping over something. <laughs> the biggest thing is that Satan is our enemy. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. See, Satan is jealous. He's jealous because we were created in the image of God. We were created to have dominion over the earth. We were created above all the other things that were created. God loves us more than anything he created. Satan tried to say, I'm the most beautiful, I'm the most powerful. I'm, I'm the most willing, right? He tried to set himself above God because he, he said, I'll make myself higher than God. But God said, no, that's not your place. That's not what's for you. And he cast him down. And so Satan hates us. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God loves us and he decided to go to war in order that we could have a relationship with him again. We know that in, in Genesis 3, that Eve decided to sin. It was a choice, right? She made a choice. Satan tempted her into eating of the forbidden fruit. And in that instance, God couldn't have relationship with us the way that he wanted to from the very beginning. He created us to have an everlasting relationship with him. Right? He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And it's really crazy because all of a sudden, after, after they sin, what is he doing? He's hovering over the garden. He's no longer, he can't walk in the garden anymore. He's hovering over the garden and he's looking, he's calling for them. And the idea that Moses is trying to tell us is that all of a sudden there was separation with the thing that God loved the most. And so we, we have this image of Adam and Eve at the tree, and Satan is there, right? And this is in the very, very beginning of Scripture, and God says, he, meaning Jesus, shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And right there we see a promise from God, I am going to fix this. I will not be separated from you. I love you. You are, you are mine. I want you. And I'm going to bring about this correction, this redemption of relationship. That's in Genesis. But in order for God to restore a relation permanently, it would require a great sacrifice. Genesis 4, 4 through 5 gives us an example of what that would look like in the sacrifice that Abel had to give up the firstborn of his flock through the sacrifice for it to be called good by God. And we remember that Cain, you know, he, he offered basically fruits and vegetables, and it wasn't good. God had a way, he had a plan, and it had to involve the shedding of blood through sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice had to be perfectly blameless in every way, yet stand tall in the midst of temptation. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So there had to be blood shed through death. And from that moment, God set out on a 6,000-year quest to restore his relationship with us. He promises Abraham that through him he will be the father of a great nation and that his offspring will be blessed in order to be a blessing to the world. He calls Abraham then to offer up Isaac, his only son, his first son, as a sacrifice before sending a ram to die in Isaac's place. But the thing was, we couldn't do it. Our blood couldn't, couldn't do it. 
and Isaac's blood, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I work with, with youth downstairs and, and youth group, and I, I'm sure you guys all know that 14 to 25-year-old boys are anything but blameless, right? They're not going to be able to make a perfect sacrifice. We couldn't do it. Jacob, Isaac's son, wrestled with God in Genesis 32. How many of us wrestle with God? We ask the questions, why? Right? That's, that's something that we love. We love to say, why God? God renames Isaac's to Israel, which means he who struggles with God. And then Isaac's son, Joseph, moves God's people to Egypt so that he may demonstrate, so that God may demonstrate his glory to the world through the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, through the plagues, and ultimately the rescue of God's people through Moses. God gave us the Ten Commandments so that we would know what sin was and what held us back so that we could strive towards a relationship with him. After Moses came the judges, and after the judges came the kings. And when the kings were corrupt, God brought us prophets, all trying to point us back towards a relationship with him. God dwelt with us through his spirit in the tent of meeting, in the Ark of the Covenant, and in the temple, but he could still not have relationship with us on an individual, eternal basis. Time and time again, his people turn away and are led into the arms of the enemy. But then God restores them. Then the last of the prophets speaks in Malachi. In 3.1 it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And after that, there was 400 years of silence. Complete stillness. I know in my prayer life, I go through times where I don't hear from God. But that doesn't mean that he's not there. And see, the thing is, is that silence, one of the things that we learned in our prayer book is that silence is kind of an answer in and of itself, right? Sometimes it means that we have to work through something on our own. And at that point in time, the Israelites were in no way, shape, or form ready to accept God as their God. They didn't really care too much about having a relationship with him. But then 400 years later, a man is born. A messenger is born. His name is John the Baptist. And he begins proclaiming that that relationship that God has always wanted is about to come. And then for the first time since Genesis, we were able to walk with God, to have a relationship with God on a one-on-one -on -one basis. One of my favorite things to do with students is to take them out to coffee or take them out 
uh, for dinner because there's so much more that can happen on a one-on-one -on -one basis than what can happen right now, right? I mean, I mean, I'm talking to all of you, but at the same time, I'm not talking directly to you, right? Right, Janet? I mean, right now I am. I've called you out by name, but God was here. He, he humbled himself. He came down to us so that he could have a relationship with us. And what did we choose to do? We said, we don't want a relationship with you. And we killed him. We made a choice, again, just like we did in Genesis, to separate ourselves from him. But the thing was, was that God had another plan. See, Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. Amen? It's really cool. Um, we had the opportunity to, to listen to a man named Don Richardson. Um, we did perspectives here probably six, seven years ago. Right, Guy? And uh, Don Richardson is, um, he has a, an incredible, incredible book called Eternity in Their Hearts. Um, but he came and he spoke. And he had been doing all this research in, in Israel. And uh, the Mount of Skulls, which is where Christ died, they've actually found evidence that that is the same mountaintop that Isaac would have been offered up. See, it's incredible. God had a plan from the very beginning. He said, I am going to bring my people back into relationship with me. They're going to turn against me. They're going to turn against me. And I'm going to pursue, 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 pursue. Jesus fulfilled what Abel's firstborn lamb could not. What Abraham's son Isaac could not. And what the Levitical laws could not. Jesus died once for all. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Jesus did this so that we could live in the freedom and the power that having a relationship with him brings. The power of the blood is in our ability to have a relationship with him. It rewrites our life. It rewrites our past. It gives us the ability to heal the sick and the lame, to give sight to the blind. It restores what we were created to do. It gives us dominion over the earth. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things now through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus says that through his spirit, we will never be alone again and that we will do greater things than he did while he was in human form. Jesus won the war and we can overcome because of his blood because he restored our ability to have a relationship with him.
they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. Who did that? Okay, Jesus did that. What's our part? And by the word of our testimony, their testimony. So there's a, there's a place where, where the blood of the Lamb is first and foremost. And then we get involved. I love, I love relationship because it's now by the word of their testimony. Chad, you can't go too far because remember I already talked to you about it. So you just got to hang out there. I know you're happy tag team, but you're not done. So we've been praying, we've been praying seriously about just things and about the things of God. And so Chad's going to give a one-minute testimony about what happened at the doctor's office on Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, some of you guys have been asking me. I've been like, oh, I can't tell you right now. I have to tell you later in the service. So yeah, I knew that this was coming. Um, yeah, so, so God is in control. Amen. And so we've been praying for two years for my eye, and God has just been doing incredible, incredible things. And the most recent one was that they're, they're trying to get me ready to have an artificial cornea placed in my eye. And before that can happen, I, have to, I had to see a uh, retinal specialist. And the retinal specialist in Fresno that I was supposed to see isn't covered by my insurance. So I had to find one here um, in, in our county. And, Okay. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's really crazy. So I have been approved for um, my surgery. So thank you so much for all of your prayers. But the thing that, that, that was really crazy to me, and guys looking at me like, give, give me the mic, yeah, <laughs> is I got to Dr. Steinle's office, and he is a Harvard graduate here in Paso, and the thing that was absolutely incredible is that he did his residency in Kentucky with coal mine explosion victims. And he was, he was, he was telling me this. So, so they, they do the eye scan, and, and his comment was, your eye is remarkably unremarkable, meaning that he had nothing that he could say on his paperwork about it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with my, with my retina. So. Amen. <laughs> so we have began to write amen by answer prayers. And the eye scan is a green light to go forward. What God's going to do forward, I don't know. But I know that the green light is there and there was, there was no deep damage even after they sewed that eye back together two years ago. So last Wednesday night, Dino had a chance to share a testimony, and we're talking about we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and that's taking care of the cross, and all we have to do is receive that. Our part is to begin to testify about the goodness of God and the power of God, and when we give testimony, it's not the doctor who gets the glory. It's not Chad who gets the glory. It's not us who gets the glory. Who gets the praise and glory? God. So as we begin to proclaim the goodness of God, then the testimony, we're both giving glory to God and it's building your faith. Because when we hold it to ourselves, then no one rejoices. It's like, is God real? Does God really care? But as we begin to share the word of testimony, God gets the glory, and our faith is spread to others. So, Dino, I know you did it without a mic, but you're going to do it with a mic. I'm going to give you a minute 
And it's been all over Facebook. So if you're a Dino friend, sometimes you're praying for Dino, and sometimes you're rejoicing with Dino. So just share what God did this last week. This is testament, first-hand testimony. Here we go. So um, Soraya goes in on the 10th with um, 42% lung function. 42%. And um, so she's in there for 12 days. And in the first seven days, she's gone from 42% to 61%. Wow. She hasn't been above 55 in five or six years. All her numbers only come up like... Um, six or seven percent every time she goes in and her lung function keeps decreasing over the years this time she has gone above and beyond what she's been in years and that's um, prayer hard work medication um, the, the and the, the glory goes to God for putting the people on the earth that know the disease and that have researched medications and genetics and everything else to help find a cure to help help a person breathe another day and I want to say thank you all for your prayers you, you know what we're when it comes from our heart it's easy to talk because we're not talking about ourselves we're talking about the goodness of God I'm going to go over here to John, and he's, we've been praying for Brookie, Brooklyn, and uh, he sent me a beautiful picture this week, and if I knew how to send it to you, I would have sent it to you. One picture was a picture of this little beautiful niece, all tubed and all draining and really ready to leave, kind of breathe her last breath, and then the next picture, so just give us a quick update on what God has done, uh, testimony. Well, when she got admitted, she went down to Cedar sinai for some tests. They did a simple procedure on her. She came home, and within a week, she had a massive infection through her whole body. They had done CAT scans and MRIs, and the only place that could help her were Cedar sinai So they airlifted her back down there, and she went in as soon as she got there for emergency surgery. And I think as soon as everybody heard what was going on, <coughs> The prayer warriors got together, went to their knees, because when the doctors opened her up, they couldn't find anything. So we got to give our glory to God for that. I mean, it's a miracle. So we've triumphed because the blood of the Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Son of the Lamb who takes away the sins of the earth. And by the testimony, by their testimony, Preston's name is up on this sheet. And we prayed for a passport. We prayed for health. We prayed for no seizures. And Pastor Guy had to step on faith because I really didn't want Preston having a seizure in Mexico. And we prayed together. We believed that Preston wasn't just going to Mexico. He's being sent by God to Mexico. Preston did so well in Mexico, I forgot he was there. And if you know Preston, he's pretty hard to miss because he's right at the center of everything. And he was, he was serving and he was loving. He got his passport. He, his letters went out, probably five or $600 worth of support came in along and above his fee. And we give God the glory. Amen. Amen.
We're still praying for Kathy's story. We're still praying for Mark crying. We're still praying for Dean. That's Pat and Janet's brother. Donnie has, has been prayed with and over, and she's here this morning. And praise God, I don't think she's missed anything for a month. And, and I, that's part of Marcella, but also because of the power of God. We can go through this. We've been praying for the move of God at CLC, the fullness of God. And there's been hunger, and there's been thirst, and we praise God for that. There's a little girl on the back wall that said, you know, that she kind of wondered if she kind of wanted to take her life. And we spent the week in Mexico with her, and she was dancing for the Lord. She was serving the Lord. We overcome by the, by the testimony that God has given us. It's going to be Corey's turn in a moment. He missed last week, but he gets to share this week. But testimonies are found out through Scripture. And remember the Samaritan woman? Her and Jesus met at the well. And he, she had this encounter, a, a salvation encounter with Jesus. And she drank of the living water. And then she went back and she began to share her what? Testimony. Let me read it to you. This is John chapter 5, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him, meaning Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I had done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, Jesus' words, many more became believers. So start off with a what? A testimony. I've met someone that changed my life. I met someone that knew my life, and somebody that gave me hope and gave me salvation. And then Jesus came, and they met Jesus, like, firsthand. And they said to this woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. They own their faith. And so we talk about firsthand faith and first-hand prayer, and then we talk about the second-hand testimony. And what we want is a church and a, that is filled with first-hand testimonies. Let me just read you a paragraph. I, I, it says, Jesus triumphed over the enemy by his shed blood on Calvary. He broke the curse of sin so that we can break the cycle of sin. But the way we seal the victory is through our testimony. Our testimonies don't just remind us that the victory has already been won. They also remind us that the enemy has already been defeated. Uh, favorite things at camp is when 10, 12 students get up and proclaim that Jesus saved them by the blood of the Lamb, and they do it publicly. And the place erupts in seeing what God has done. I wonder if the lack of awe in many churches is directly attributed to the lost art of sharing testimonies. Churches that see people radically saved are usually churches that allow radical saved people to share their stories. Is it any wonder, is it any wonder that what gets celebrated gets re replicated? I love that. What gets celebrated, and today we're celebrating what God has done on the cross and what God is doing in our lives. When a testimony of healing is shared, for example, those who hear it get an infusion of faith to believe God for healing in their own lives. These testimonies double as prophecies. 
When we share a testimony, we are loaning our faith to others. When we listen to a testimony, we are borrowing faith from others. Either way, the church is edified and God is glorified. Tag team, Corey. Do you understand what a testimony is? My son is, he's wanting to do his own thing. It's kind of funny. He's just, I got him to stay there and write and draw on a picture. So he's like, can I come stand by you up front? I'm like, no, I can't really have that. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I've known this verse. This has been kind of a, a verse that I've clung to for many years, probably 12, 13 years. And, and when, I, when I learned the verse, it was out of the King, New King James, and it was, uh, my part ends with, they didn't love their lives to the death. And so we were, it's very easy to understand that they were willing to sacrifice themselves for the gospel, for the name of Jesus. They were willing to live that life of just putting themselves out there and having their lives taken from them. But this is a real challenge to us because we're not really in a place in our culture or in this world where we're a th in a threat of having our life taken or our liberty taken because of Jesus. You know, we have a, a huge freedom that most of the world doesn't. Um, and so, like I said, it's a challenge to us. And what's that look like? How do we live out that faith in a way that we're not loving our lives to the death? When I was in the Philippines, and I've talked about this before, but we did a discipleship training school, and usually there's a few high school students here. Sean's in the back, and he's going to go do a discipleship training school. And there's a DTS, and it was, we learned it as a die to self. And it was a continuing dying to ourselves again and again, not putting ourselves in front of our neighbor. <laughs> and that's, when I was at Bible college, I was in a room, and our dorm was like eight guys, and it was really small, and I was 21, and they were 20, 19, and that kind of age range, you know, when you really know everything. And so... I remember me and my, one of my roommates, we just butted heads all the time. And I'd be like yelling at him, like, die to yourself. And then, you know, it's like funny to look back and be like, die to yourself, Corey. Like, don't worry about him dying to his self. Die to your own self. But so that challenge is how do we <clears throat> not love our lives to the death? And I would say it's in scripture as love your God and love your neighbor. And how do we do that? When I, when I get up here, I like to ask a lot of questions because that's kind of how my mind works. And so what does it look like to live out our faith in our lives? And I'd say you can love God and love your neighbor. And what that looks like is if you flip over to Romans 12, 1, it's offering yourselves as that living sacrifice. That's your ultimate act of worship. Now that act of worship is really just pouring yourself pouring every part of you into what God has for you in your life. Um, if it's your time, it's your talent, or your treasure, you know, it's whatever you have, you're offering it as a sacrifice to God. Um, like I said earlier, we're not, we haven't been called to live 
we haven't been, we're not really in a place of, in our lives where we're in a threat to our, our life or our liberty, but we are in a place where, in a culture where it's me first and it can be performance-driven or power-driven or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses or whatever it is, and, you know, that live, offering yourself as a living sacrifice is stepping away from that and offering yourself to God. And that's, like it says in 12.1, it says that's your ultimate act of worship. And the way this is possible, if you read on to verse 2, it talks about the renewing of your mind. Like, you know, I can't love my neighbor on my own power. I can't love, man, I can't, I can't love my family on my own power sometimes. I mean, we can relate to that because we understand that we're imperfect, but we're called to love. We're called to be a peace to people. We're called, in the book, it talked about being a different, uh, being our own translation of the Bible to someone, which really speaks to me because, like I said, I, I learned this and it was out of the New King James Chad uses a different version than Guy, which is on the screen, and I use it like we're all different. We're all different. How we're portrayed by people is going to be all different. So, how do we do this time and again? Like I said, it's the renewing of our minds. Um, and the the big part of that twelve verse two is not conforming to this world but the renewing of our mind is keeping our, our focus on Jesus. And that's done through scripture, through worship, through meditating on, on scripture, you know, being in commun- communion, being in community, fellowshipping with each other. Um, Colossians 3.10 says, this is out of another translation, it says, the new man who is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. After the image, I missed that word, after the image of its own creator. And it's, you read that verse, I, when I read that earlier this week, I, I was like, man, that's, we have, we have the opportunity to get to know this God through the scripture. And we get the idea that like, he is calling us to live for him. And sure, it says the, they didn't offer their lives to the death, but we're called to live our lives to the fullest in him. And so I'm gonna hand it over to Guy. I'm following the 10-minute rule that I was given. Let's stand together. The worship team can come up. Thanks. It's our opportunity now to respond to God. It's our opportunity to look at this one verse and say, Lord, thank you for the blood of the Lamb. And because of the blood of the Lamb, I am not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to testify. I'm going to live as loud as I can. Maybe not just with my words, but my actions. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I am set free from sin. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Because of the Lamb, I have the hope that the world is looking for. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I've been forgiven. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I have hope 
And I'm going to open my mouth, and I'm going to share about the goodness of God. And I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to love others. I'm going to get uncomfortable sometimes. There's nothing comfortable about the gospel. Something exciting about the gospel because it's alive. And the blood of the Lamb is our life. And God has given us the opportunity to speak and to share stories and to testify and talk about the goodness of God. The things that you love are the things that you talk about. If it's a good meal or your favorite sports team or a great new song, you're going to talk about it. And this verse challenges us to talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus means to you. And then we get to go live it, even when it's uncomfortable. Even when we're not sure how somebody's going to take the message that we have. But it says that we do it in love. So you offer your heart up to the Lord today. Thank him for the, the power of the cross. Ask the Lord that we can live out testimonies. We talked about testimonies of healings in eyes. We've talked about healings of lungs. The greatest healing ever is salvation. The greatest healing is a lost soul being found. I was once lost and now I'm found. I was once dead in my sins and now I have been forgiven. And the Father throws a celebration. Hallelujah, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my life. Use me as a testimony, O Lord. Let me not shrink back when it gets uncomfortable. Let me open my mouth at the right time in the right, right way. Maybe it's in actions. Maybe it's in sending a text message. Maybe it's forgiving someone who does not deserve to be forgiven. But we forgive because you first forgave us. Lord, help us live out this good news. Help us live out this gospel. Help our life be a testimony that gives you glory and builds up your church. Let's sing together. Let's worship the Lord. Get personal for a moment with God in the middle of this song. Make this a cry of your heart.